Good morning to everyone out there. This is the Disruptive Voices of the Pacific. Today I'm with Pastor Moses, who we've actually had on this podcast in the past. That podcast was very popular, How Not to Marry an Abuser. You can go back and listen to that. And today we're discussing, is it okay to divorce my abuser? Um, And this is something that keeps coming up, particularly with women who contact me, Pastor Uh, They say, I'm in an abusive relationship, um, but I've got to save the marriage. Or they're they're part of a church where their own pastor has told them to go home and forgive, save the marriage, uh, do whatever you can, pray out that spirit. We get really religious. So we want to have a bit of a conversation. Is it okay to divorce your abuser, Um, whether the perpetrator is male or female? But generally, um, it, it seems to be male. A lot of the time. Anyway, so welcome. Thank you, Leticia, for the opportunity. A very interesting subject, and I think it's been a, a subject of contention, particularly here in Fiji. To answer your question succinctly, uh, keyword being an abuser, abusive husband, divorce is, in my opinion, warranted. And I'm not ashamed to say that I've encouraged uh, the abused to get out of relationships and if needs be divorce um, is, is imminent and and I have a scriptural basis to 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 um, establish that on a lot of people that I've spoken to have been worried they've stuck to their marriages simply because of their vows simply because they might lose their salvation and I'd like to uh, you know make that clear that if it's an abusive toxic relationship, you'll die in the process. And I'm talking about physical death. Uh, that, that, that's an eventuality after emotional and spiritual death. What good is life if you're not enjoying heaven right here on earth? Well, we can just end the podcast right now and uh, thank you for that quick answer. Um, I just want to bring a bit of definition to abuse because it's a broad range. We're not just talking about physical abuse, which is a very common one. Uh, It's easy to detect. Abuse also um, encompasses verbal, emotional, spiritual, so using the Bible to manipulate somebody, Uh, financial, withholding um, finances from partners, cultural, using the culture again, and any type of, God's never intended our um, relationships to be manipulative or coercive. So there's a whole range because I think, again, uh, particularly women, we are long-suffering in putting up with stuff because we think, well, I'm not getting beaten, I'm not in danger, but it is affecting your health. So the one scripture we want to, well, there's many scriptures, but let's talk about Malachi where God hates abuse because I've found that this scripture has been used as a weapon um, to keep women um, in abusive relationships. So what's your interpretation there? Well, Malachi 2.16, when God said, I hate divorce, rightfully so. He was the originator, the creator of marriage, and he had intentions for it. His intentions were loving relationships that would would, uh, procreate his image and his likeness, which is holiness, righteousness, peace, and joy. We all know that. But in a broken world, that has been, um, you know, broken in, 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 uh, in, in a lot of ways. When he said that, we've got to look at scriptures in context. We cannot just take one line 
and make a doctrine out of it. It has to be supported and the context has to be clear. What is context? Context is understanding the original intent of the author. And when we look at God being the author, he was saying that scripture, or he said that scripture in the context of a patriarchal society in the Jews, who for any flimsy reason, being patriarchal, if, say for instance in our context, the, the woman uh, just burnt the rice while cooking, and he got wild, get out of here. I'm looking for uh, another wife. Just to, just to uh, um, you know, fulfill his lust for another woman, that was used as a pretext to getting her out of the relationship. So he would change wives at any given excuse that may sound valid in a patriarchal society. And so God is saying, I don't, I don't like that because women are not objects. Women are my creation and they deserve to be happy. They deserve to share the joy that any human being was created to enjoy. And so he was saying that in that context. When we come to the New Testament, Jesus reiterated that and said, it wasn't so in the beginning because the Jews got a certificate signed by Moses because of the hardness of their heart, because they wouldn't change. It was their mindset. And so Jesus said, because of the hardness of your hearts, he signed it. But in the beginning, my father didn't allow that to happen. And he was saying, you know, this is it. Unless for marital unfaithfulness or sexual sin, the original word for that is ponia, from which the word pornography comes from. All those sexual sins will entitle a woman to say, I'm out of this relationship, particularly if the man is not repentant or has not shown the fruit of repentance, which is transformation. That will guarantee a woman hell on earth. And so Jesus is saying, this is the reason for, for divorce. Paul further reiterates that, and he says, if you marry a divorcee, you're an adulterer or an adulteress. And people say that that is reason not to divorce. Now, he was trying to reinforce what God said in Malachi and what Jesus said in Matthew by saying, this is the gravity of what you're doing, men. Every time you change woman or women, you are becoming an adulterer. And anybody that marries you becomes an adulteress. He's not isolating the fact that when you've made a mistake, you cannot marry again. You're not condemned to death to be single the rest of your life because you've made a mistake once. If, in fact, if that's the doctrine that you build your life around, you are saying that God's ability to forgive sin is diminished by divorce. There is no sin greater than God's ability to forgive. And so when scripture contradicts another scripture, that's not what it's talking about. Go back to the original. Go back to the, to the intent. So, you know, uh, for the sake of this podcast and clarity, when, when God said, I hate divorce, it was because he was talking to the Jewish men who were uh, patriarchal, who were chauvinistic in the way they dealt with, with women. But it's not, it can't apply to today's, because only if that scripture flushes with today's situation, then we can say, it's not. You know, and, and let me give you a, a better um, um, example. For instance, if we're asking to say, allow certain things that were disallowed in the, the Old Testament that flushes with the New Testament. 
Say, for instance, murder. Murder was wrong in the Old Testament because it's the taking away of a life. It will be wrong in today's context. And so that flushes, that means murder is still sin today as it was yesterday. But when it comes, why? Because it's contextual. But when it comes to divorce and remarriage, we've got to look at it on a case-by-case basis. If the divorce and remarriage in today's case is, is the same, is a reflection of what God said I don't like, then that's what God doesn't like even in the 21st century. But for mistakes, for instance, in Fiji, you are forced to marry because you are pregnant. That marriage doesn't work and you divorce and you are now condemned to a life without uh, another partner because you are afraid your salvation is at stake. No, your salvation is not at stake. It's just a misinterpretation of Scripture. And I close with this. God does not contradict his word, but is not ashamed or shy to contradict your interpretation or my interpretation of his word. Brilliant. Well, thank you. That's a good uh, in-depth Bible study. Uh, really helps um, understand some of those scriptures. And looking at the big picture is important because we're aware there's um, verses about how much God hates abuse as well. And um, in in First Peter, it talks, there's a scripture to men saying, if you don't look after my women, I will not hear your prayers. <laughs> um, and so I think we've we've got to see the whole big picture. Now, you know, let's help set some women free here because um, I know they're, they're fighting their hardest, trying to save their marriage, trying to pray and fast more for him. Is a perpetrator going to change while you are still in the marriage and living with him? You know, from experience, they don't change that easily. So the question is, are you willing to be tormented for the rest of your life, spending energy that you could have directed elsewhere that is much more um, fruitful for the kingdom of God? Then if that is your answer, your answer is you want to, you, you you know, rough it out, hustle it through, then that's your choice. Because at the end of the day, you and I are not products of our environment or of our marriage. We are products of our choices. Once you get knowledge that you have the ability to be set free from it, and you choose freedom, then that choice will entail that you get out of there. You do not need to um, condemn yourself to eternal damnation here on earth because of that relationship. Get out of it is my advice, and I'm pretty sure uh, scriptures back me up on that. Because you as a person, you have an assignment, an assignment that's bigger than that. An assignment that is to bless someone and glorify God. How is being bashed and abused a blessing to you, first and foremost? If it's a blessing, if, if, it's, if it's glorifying to God, but it's not a blessing to humanity, something's amiss. The litmus test is it should be a blessing to people and it is glorifying to God. And abusive um, relationships are never a blessing to people. People cringe when they hear it. Normal people, that is. And so um, my advice here is, you know, you get out of it while you still have the breath of life in your nostrils and continue where God wants to direct you. Yes, mistakes happen, but mistakes are redeemable when you act on the knowledge that you've been given. Yep. 
Yeah, so having that separation is really important. It doesn't necessarily mean divorce right up front. Um, but as you said, perpetrators probably aren't going to change, and that's been my experience, because um, for abusers, it's all about control. So as long as you're still with me and under my nose, I can control you. But if you decide to leave, then all hell breaks loose. Um, and if they really want help, they will get it, but generally they don't, and then the true colours are shown, um, which is really important. So... Um, we want to encourage people, yeah, they're, they're not going to change uh, while they're there. What about, um, you mentioned pornography before, and a, a dear lady messaged me about um, her husband watching porn and she was trying to pray out the spirit. Where, where does that get you, praying out spirits of porn? You know, praying is good, but also acting um, reinforces the, the, the prayer. And one person, the Bible says, let your moderations be known to all men because the Lord is near. You've got to rise up and make your disgust known. And that is usually, and if you're serious about it and you want him to be delivered by God, separate yourself from that situation and allow God to deal with him um, on a personal basis. But your disgust must be acted out. And that's where I normally advise, if there is a, a, a um, habit that is, you know, you've tried to break for years, it won't break that easy. You've got to make some drastic moves and get up and move out. Because for sure, he's going to try and act out everything he's watching in porn on you. And if you are resistant to it, guess what? He'll look outside. And that's when infidelity starts. Infidelity starts in the mind. Everything starts in the mind. And if you're not, if you want to be helpful, praying it out is one aspect. Acting it out reinforces the prayer. And I tell you what, he's either going to wake up or you were not meant to be together in the first place. Absolutely. Bringing it into the light. Um, um, yep, exposing it. And I always think for his sake, he needs to, I mean, again, God gives every perpetrator, he gives all of us a choice. If, if we're found out with our sin, we repent, there's forgiveness, there's cleansing, or we choose to keep living in it. So that's why it's important to bring it out into the light. A lot of women don't talk about it. And they keep it with themselves because um, there's, there's a culture in, in, in Fiji uh, where they say, you know, let's, let's shield our, our partners. Um, let's not air out our dirty laundry so that the public knows. But you know that anything that is kept in the dark will thrive, particularly sin. And when you don't do it, the signal that the man is receiving is that I'll always be kept hidden, I'll always be protected. But we have a responsibility as human beings to expose. The Bible exhorts us to bring it out in the light because anything that's brought in the light, if it's sin, it will not thrive. You put an end to it. And so talk to someone, um, offer him help. If he doesn't want help, then he doesn't want to be delivered. You know, you can pray till the cows come home, but if your husband's not willing to go through counseling uh, to get his uh, needs sorted and uh, you know to to be exposed first and foremost to be vulnerable then he's not going to change anytime soon yeah 
And I think it's important to realise that he's already broken the covenant. You know, your marriage was over. Uh, he's, he's let other women technologically in or um, and same with the abuse uh, you make a covenant to honor and love and protect not not abuse so uh, the marriage is already over um, I think the the action of separation or exposing is God's grace coming to them saying hey here's a chance to turn around um, and so yeah that's really um, and, uh, you know, the what, what you must realize is that 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 uh, Addiction to pornography didn't just happen overnight. It's years of cultivation. And I like what John Bevere um, said. He was, he was addicted to it. But you see, in John Bevere's case, he realized the negativity that was in it. So, so men's got to realize, and men's got to repent of it. And don't only repent when you're caught. I think that's another thing that we've got to address. Only when you're caught, then you are willing to submit. Before you're even caught, men that are listening to this, even before you're caught, realize that it's sin and accept the conviction of the Holy Spirit and make your own changes before you're even caught. Because your repentance, my repentance becomes suspect when we're only repenting because we've been caught with our pants down, so to speak. You know, genuine repentance is when nobody's told you, but you and the Holy Spirit, and you have come out to surrender. And that's what uh, set John Bevere free, and that's why he's a force to reckon with today, because he made that first move. And, and men, if you're listening, you know, God wants to use you in, in mighty ways that you've not known. But unless you're vulnerable, and unless you're willing to submit to his authority and align yourself with his word, you, you will remain a mediocre and, and, and ultimately a joke, so to speak. But God has not created junk, and that's why I'm, I'm talking to you men. God has not created junk and to women. He, he always creates masterpieces, but the enemy finds a way to rubbish his masterpieces because we choose not to. We choose not to hear the word of God. We choose not to change, and in so doing, we become uh, more harmful than we are supposed to be uh, productive and helpful. In all your years of counselling uh, different couples and you've counselled them to separate because you're very proactive, none of this go home and repent business, um, have you seen restoration? Has there been somewhere they have separated, they've worked on each other and restored? Is that common or is it, you know, kind of, um, yeah, only sometimes? Um, you know, honestly, when separation comes... Uh, the, the restoration bit is minimal because it, it, it happens only when the men lead by example and become vulnerable. I've seen restoration, yes, but it's like one in every four, you know, one in every four, but the men had to lay it down and the man has had to work on himself right throughout to even bring about healing to the to, to, the, to, the, to the woman that has been, has been hurt. Um, and I think the, the, the rate is, is that one in every four because men are so proud that they're not willing to let go, you know, willing to submit and be vulnerable and say, I need help and I'm going to go through the help right to the end so that I can salvage my marriage. But 
the hopeful thing is it has worked when men take the, the leading role and accepting responsibility for the fault and mending the relationship. But the other one is also true when the man says, oh, I'm not the only one at fault. You are equally at fault. Forget the other side. Work on your side and you'll begin to see because God ordained the men to be the, 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 the conduit in which the blessing flows. When you set yourself right, everything else will flow right. Yep. That's very good. So what are we missing as a nation of Fiji? Because most of these men have grown up in church. Uh, they sit there every week. Um, what allows them to continue to act um, abusive or addicted to porn when they're attending churches somewhere? Yeah, we've received the gospel of salvation and we've stuck to salvation, but we've not translated into transformation. The gospel, of trans the gospel is both salvation and transformation. Many are in church, but they are not transformed into the image and likeness of Christ. And so it is important that discipleship incorporate the, the area of teaching men how they need to look after women, respect women, um, work with women, agreeing to disagree with women, you know, and knowing that women are their equal. Women are never inferior to men. They are a complementary equal. And they may not be physically as strong, but that does not make them unequal. We have been made physically strong so that we can complement that in that area. Doesn't make us um, unequal as well. We are equal in that we can bring different contributions to the table that make everything holistic. Men cannot rule the world alone. We need women. And if we can see that, we will not be fearful in the workplace, at home, because we understand that this entity called a woman brings something that I don't have. When we humble ourselves to realize that they will complement something we don't have, and we don't know everything there is to know, it's going it's to revolutionize the way we, 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 we live and we coexist together. It's empowering each other, becoming the best version of each other. And, and moving forward. So um, for Fiji to, to change, men has got to change. The patriarchal society has got to change because that wasn't God's intention from the beginning. He meant us to coexist, to help one another, not making one an object of the other's desire and lust and power. We are meant to coexist, listen to one another. And I find that when a society begins to uh, have that understanding, we're going to thrive because if the pattern is right, they say that God's glory will always fall and, and ordain things and bless things. Yep. Brilliant. As we finish, one last question. What would you like to say to women who are listening to this who are feeling stuck or they're not sure where to go or they're trying to save their marriage and hold on to it because, you know, women want to keep the family together. What would you say to women stuck in abusive relationships um, in your final words today? You're not an imposter. You're greater than you think you are. You deserve better. If the situation that you're in has locked you down and you feel like a prisoner, you're not supposed to be there. If you're being controlled, the spirit of control is also known as the spirit of witchcraft, you're not supposed to be there. In fact, as, as, as a woman that believes in Christ, you should be basking in the freedom whereby he set you free. 
and that is not an area that you should be in. If you've sought help, if you've done everything within the ambits that's available to you to, to uh, have help brought to your husband and he doesn't want to, you know, you've separated and you've remained separated, I think it's time to move on and get out and bask in the freedom where Jesus has set you free. Because you cannot be allowed to weigh yourself down in guilt and shame, thinking that I am, um, I am not fulfilling my vows. Those vows are vows that were meant to be honored together, not just by one person. The vows that were made were between two people. They were meant to be a covenant between two people. And someone said, well, it's a covenant and it's still death. Well, the moment he emotionally detached himself from you, death happened right there. That in itself has violated the covenant, the death by detachment, that you're no longer his, his helpmate, his lover, his one and only. You are now becoming an object of when he wants to use you or abuse you at his leisure. You're not a slave. And I want you to know you're not losing your salvation when you make such a move for your children and for your future. God will bless you. Because the Bible says, therefore, there is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. If someone uses scripture to condemn you, that is not God's word. That is manipulation. That is interpretation to suit one person's idea. And that is controlling. That is witchcraft. The scriptures are always meant to set us free to bask in the liberty whereby Christ has set us free. Not to be enslaved anymore. And I think that's a phenomenon that is true today, which is the burden of freedom. The gates of your prison is open. The problem is you're still sitting in that bed looking at the, the forewall of the prison and very afraid to walk out into freedom. Because you don't know what freedom holds. I tell you, on the other side of that prison door, freedom is going to be the best thing you will ever encounter. The noise may be too loud, but it will come to, you'll come to terms with it. And you will begin to realize that you were blessed with time, with treasures, and with talent that's meant to be a blessing to others. Right now, you're not a blessing because you're confined to a prison. And so, in order to get out of that prison, you've got to make a choice. The choice will always fall square. I can take you to the waters, but I can't force you to drink. I'm, I'm talking to you as a leader and as a pastor. And this is what I, I advise my family members and even my church members. When it becomes abusive and toxic, it's time to leave. Very good. Thank you so much again for your time, your wisdom, your challenge. Um, and we shall catch you all again next week. God bless. I see your suffering I see the pain Beneath that bull of smile Come out from hiding The sun is rising Let the islands hear resolve